0: The following sermon was delivered at the 1030 worship service at the United Methodist Church of Kent. Please enjoy. The sermon this morning is a continuation of a sermon series entitled, Life in Christ. Let us be here for a moment in a spirit of prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Today we celebrate one of the most important days in the church year, the day of Pentecost, when as the book of Acts describes it, the disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit. It is not as though this were the first entrance of the Spirit of God into the world. The opening verses of the Bible and the story of creation speak of how the Spirit of God was moving over the face of the waters. The Spirit of God, the powerful creative presence of God was in the world and acting in the world throughout Old Testament times. Nevertheless, in the Old Testament time period, the general situation we observe is that there's a tremendous gap between the spiritual activity of God and the sinful condition of humanity. There's a gap between God's wisdom and human foolishness, between God's love and human selfishness, between God's faithfulness and human waywardness, between God's strength and human weakness. Sometimes, however, the gap between God and persons is bridged. From time to time in the Old Testament, we are told of an occasion when the Spirit of the Lord came upon a particular person. We're told, for example, in the book of Judges that the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, a young farmer from a small tribe in Israel, and the Spirit of God empowered Gideon to become the leader of Israel and to deliver his people from oppression. Or we are told of how the Spirit of the Lord came upon the prophets and gave them deep insight into the will of God. When the Spirit of God came upon people, they were filled with the presence of God, filled with the love and the power and the wisdom of God, and they were empowered then to carry out a particular mission for God. One can summarize the Old Testament situation in this way. The Spirit of God came upon particular people at particular times and empowered them for particular tasks. But among the prophets there began to emerge the message that one day God would pour out His Spirit in a comprehensive fashion. That God would so bridge the gap between God and humanity that people everywhere and at all times might become inspired and empowered by the presence of God's spirit. The most direct prophecy of this sort comes from the book of the prophet Joel, which we heard a few moments ago, where Joel declared, in those days, says the Lord, I will pour out my spirit on all people. The Book of Acts tells us that this prophecy of Joel was fulfilled on the day of Pentecost. Pentecost was a Jewish harvest festival, one of three major festivals outlined in the Old Testament where it was also called the Festival of Weeks because it was a week of weeks, that is seven weeks after Passover, which also meant it was roughly 50 days after Easter. The Pentecost festival celebrated the ingathering of early grains and fruits, which in the mild climate of Israel were becoming ripe at this time of year. It was a big holiday, and Jews from across the empire were gathered in Jerusalem. In the book of Acts, we're told us that on the day of Pentecost, the disciples also were gathered in Jerusalem. Across the previous three years, the disciples had fully experienced God's central action to bridge the gap between God and humanity. They had learned from Jesus, hearing his message of truth and promise. They had then witnessed how Jesus offered his life on the cross and how he subsequently rose from the dead. In the days leading up to Pentecost, the disciples had personal encounters with the risen Christ and they had heard his great commission, how he instructed them that they now were to go and make disciples of all nations. After all that, one might think that the disciples would have been completely clear about everything and and all set to go forth in their mission to, to rush out and spread the good news of Jesus Christ. But in the days leading up to Pentecost, the disciples were basically hiding out in Jerusalem. Although they had witnessed God's actions in Jesus Christ, and although they knew Jesus' message and Jesus' call to them, they felt personally weak and threatened and utterly incapable of living out Jesus' call. Indeed, the prospects for the disciples at this juncture by any objective measure were not at all encouraging. In spite of their experiences, the disciples remained a tiny band of untalented individuals coming from a despised corner of the world. How were they now to become missionaries for Christ in the Roman Empire, a world where pagan religions were deeply entrenched, where immorality of all sorts was casually accepted, and where the Caesars enjoyed emperor worship and would not take kindly to some new upstart religion which taught that people were to worship only the Lord. Imagine this little band going out to proclaim the message that a certain crucified Jew was the savior of the world. It would have seemed preposterous to suppose that they were going to have any impact on the Roman Empire or that they could even manage to hang on to faith themselves. There was a tremendous gap between what God was doing in Christ and what the disciples felt that they were going to be able to do as ordinary people. But as the disciples sat in Jerusalem, they remembered the promise of Jesus. In one of his resurrection appearances, the risen Christ had said to the disciples, I am sending upon you what my Father promised, so stay here in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. What God the Father had promised through the prophet Joel was the outpouring of the Holy Spirit who would bring God's empowerment to ordinary people. Before the crucifixion and resurrection, Jesus also had given the disciples specific instructions about the Holy Spirit. He had said, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all I have said to you. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. The message of Jesus was that the disciples would not be on their own to try to live as Jesus' followers, they would be filled with the Holy Spirit and the Spirit would give them deep understanding and guidance, the Spirit would establish them in God's truth and the Spirit would empower them to carry out God's works. As Jesus said just before his ascension, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The disciples trusted in what Jesus promised. They waited in Jerusalem. And on the day of Pentecost, while they were gathered in an upper room, suddenly, it says in the book of Acts, the disciples experienced a rush of wind. Wind in the Bible being a symbol for the Spirit of God. And they saw visions of flames of fire, fire in the Bible being a symbol for the presence of God. And they were infused then with a new and mysterious power as they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Peter then, we are told, Peter, who had been the very epitome Of the bumbling, fearful, inconsistent, and ineffective disciple, Peter went out and boldly preached to a multitude of people who had been gathered there for the festival of Pentecost, and 3,000 people came that day to faith in Christ. The rest of the book of Acts tells the story of the explosive growth of the early church throughout the empire, how the Holy Spirit not only guided the disciples, but came with power upon great multitudes. And through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, those early Christians were able to live with a courageous and transforming faith, and they made accomplishments far beyond what anyone might have expected. The promise of Joel thus became a reality on Pentecost. God's Spirit was poured out on all sorts of people. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit completes the bridging of the gap between God and humanity. Through Jesus Christ, people can be reconciled to God, and, the, and through them the Holy Spirit the spiritual presence of the Lord within the human heart, people are enabled to live as Jesus' disciples. The promise of the Holy Spirit means that we each now can be filled with the presence of God and empowered for living as God's people today. Every once in a while during these nicer days of the year, depending on where you live, you might see a hot air balloon going by a balloon can provide a good contemporary illustration for the working of the Holy Spirit. A balloon is just a heap of material until it is filled. Then it rises up. It becomes what it was created to be, and it can soar through the air, propelled by the breeze. As we are filled with the Holy Spirit, We are lifted up in God's grace and enabled finally to be the people we were created to be, people who are living in God's love and goodness, making a positive impact on the world around us. The central message of Pentecost is that the Christian life is far more than a set of beliefs and values It is a personal connection with God, made possible through Jesus Christ and the gift of the Holy Spirit. So we are each encouraged, as Paul would later say in Ephesians, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. But how does it happen that people become filled with the Holy Spirit? Since Pentecost was a dramatic experience on a particular day, Christians have sometimes gotten the idea that being filled with the Holy Spirit must occur through some sudden overwhelming one-time event. But it is quite notable that in this verse in Ephesians, the Greek verb that Paul uses means to be continually filled or to be steadily replenished. Paul indicates that we should look for an ongoing outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And this of course is what we do in worship from Sunday to Sunday, and perhaps something that we especially do in communion. During the prayer that is said by a United Methodist pastor during the Sacrament of Communion, one of the most standard phrases that we use is pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here. As we remember the sacrifice that Christ has made for us on the cross, the reconciliation with God that Christ makes possible, we look, like the first disciples, for the Holy Spirit to come afresh upon us, that we may know the power of God for living as Christians today. As we receive the elements of communion this morning, May we also receive the inflowing of the Holy Spirit, that we may experience the wonder of Pentecost anew. For the Holy Spirit is here to fill and inspire our lives. Let us pray. O Lord, on the day of Pentecost, you poured out your Holy Spirit on the disciples filling them with your presence, enabling them to go forth boldly into the world with your grace and good news of Jesus Christ. Lord, fill us with that same Holy Spirit. Enable us to open our hearts to you in faith that we might receive how you would touch us today with truth, with grace, with your empowering presence that, Lord, we may indeed live as your people in these days and that we may act as your church to reach out in mission in our time. We remember, O Lord, how on the day of Pentecost, people were drawn together. It was, in a sense, the birthday of the church as people gathered in faith for worship and then for service. We thank you today, O Lord, for the gift of your church, how we are drawn together in the spirit how we can grow together, and how we then can reach out to a hurting world. We do reach out to persons who are in times of particular need, remembering those who are sick or dealing with surgeries. We lift up especially this morning, John Enloe, Jill Beer, and Hal Hall, praying for your ongoing healing power. We also pray for your guidance for Christians today, especially lifting up our annual conference this week, praying that you would guide us as we make decisions relevant to the United Methodist Church here in East Ohio. We lift up persons who've been victims of the terrible violence that has happened in school shootings over these past weeks and months. We pray, Lord, that your spirit would would be at work to move people away from violence, to change the shape of our society, to enable us, O Lord, to live as people who are gathered in shalom, the kind of peace and wholeness that you intend for us. And Lord, we think of persons close to home affected by violence. We especially lift up the family and friends of Ethan Lyming upon his death this weekend. We pray for the comfort of your spirit, the assurance of your everlasting promises and again for the working of your spirit to guide us all to new ways of living together. Oh well, Lord, we recognize there is yet a gap between human behavior and your call to us, but you are ever at work through the Holy Spirit, and we pray that that Spirit might indeed work within us. Lead us, Lord, that we may be transformed by that empowering presence, that we might live as your people today, that we might reach out with your grace to the world. We lift up this morning also our fellow United Methodists at the um, Wedgewood and I this church, we lift up families who are growing together in faith and remember especially the, the Rockhold family where we celebrated baptism at the 8.30 service this morning. The Lord, in many ways, you are guiding us as your people. Move us this morning as we celebrate afresh that gift of Pentecost and lift our lives in devotion and praise to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for listening to this edition of the United Methodist Church of Kent Sermon Podcast. For more information about the church, visit www.kentmethodist.org.